Black coming to you from Chattanooga, Tennessee with a brand new episode of The Blackout. And of course, as it is every week, this episode brought to you by Super Team Media. And my goodness, has it been a busy time since I last talked to you here on The Blackout. On Sunday night, my wife and I went down to Atlanta, Georgia for Super Team Media's launch party. We had a number of people from around the Southeast show up for the party in support of Super Team and the podcast across the network. I have to thank those of you who showed up as you're helping my podcast along with a number of others across the Super Team Media Network grow over time. If you'd like to find out anything more about Super Team Media or The Blackout, I'd invite you to go right now to Facebook to check us out. Be sure to look up and like Super Team Media and The Blackout by searching at The Blackout Podcast. In addition, I'd love for you to go to superteammedia.com where you can click a link to go over to Super Team's fundraising page, including some items you can purchase, like the Super Team t-shirt I'm wearing and the post I put out recently on the Blackout's Facebook page. Now, before I go any further, it's time for me to tell you what I have for you on this week's episode of the Blackout. Here in the first segment, I'll have my best of week seven for you, like I do each and every week. And coming up in the next segment, I'll have Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, visiting the show again, This time, he'll be previewing NC State's trip to Clemson as the two teams battle it out atop the ACC Atlantic Division. And before it's all said and done, I'll lay out for you what I believe are the biggest games that'll impact the college football playoff this weekend and who you should expect to come out on top. So now, it's time for... The very best of what we saw in college football in Week 7. This week I have for you what I believe were the five biggest moments that will impact the college football playoff as we go throughout the rest of the season. I'll start at number five where we have Oregon knocking off Washington 30-27 in overtime. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off And that was Sean McDonough on the call for ESPN2 as C.J. Verdell ran into the end zone from six yards out for the Oregon Ducks to get the win. And I believe if you're looking for a dark horse team that could fit their way into the college football playoff discussion, look at the Oregon Ducks. Just a few weeks ago, this same Oregon team was losing in confounding fashion in an overtime game against Stanford. But to show the resolve they did to battle back and forth with Washington and then to go into the same circumstances going into overtime, but to come out on top, I was very impressed with what Oregon did this past weekend. They're already led by one of the top quarterbacks in the country in Justin Herbert, and I believe that this Oregon team is playing some very, very confident football right now. Again, I do believe this Oregon team is a dark horse to make the college football playoff. They've still got a long way to go, but they do have a couple of their biggest tests out of the way after the loss to Stanford and the win over Washington. The benefit for the Ducks was their two toughest games early in the season were both at home. Now, as they transition to the second half of the schedule, their toughest games are both on the road. This coming weekend, they play at Washington State, where they are actually an underdog on the road. And then on the second Saturday in November, they have to play at Utah. 
Oregon certainly won't have an easy time with the remaining six games on the schedule. But if they can find their way to navigate through a couple of tough road games, you could find this Oregon team sitting at 11-1, and moving on to the Pac-12 championship. And then if they win there, you could very easily be talking about this team making an appearance in the college football playoff. Next up, as the number four most impactful game toward the college football playoff, I've got Michigan with their big win over Wisconsin. Play clock at two, and it's a play action on third and two. Hornibrook dumps it up, intercepted, picked off by LaVert Hill, pick six Wolverines. And that was Chris Fowler on the call for ESPN on ABC as Michigan came away with a 38-13 win over Wisconsin. Of course, everyone knows this Michigan team got off to a slow start this season in the loss to Notre Dame. And if you pay any attention to college football, you know that Michigan has one of the most stellar defenses in the entire country. But the thing I'm looking at most with this Michigan team is the combination of that defense with the growth of what's going on offensively. I think this team could be one to deal with by most teams in the country, mostly naming Ohio State in the Big Ten as we go through the rest of the season. Simply put, you look at what Shea Patterson is doing in this offense right now. Not only does he have good athletic ability to be able to throw the ball down the field, but he also has the ability to change a game with his legs. A couple of really big, long runs for Michigan really boosted this offense and helping them pull away from Wisconsin. And as you turn your attention to the latter portion of the season, circle the game between Michigan and Ohio State. Remember back to how the Buckeyes had trouble working against Penn State's defense. The Wolverines play on a whole nother level defensively. And if the offense can continue to grow and Shea Patterson can continue to make a bigger impact on games offensively, watch out for when the Wolverines face off against the Buckeyes. And speaking of the Buckeyes, I've got Ohio State at number three on this week's best of week seven as Ohio State pulled away for a 30-14 to win over Minnesota. Haskins. Oh, what a catch. KJ Hill touchdown, Buckeyes. Odell Beckham Jr. will be proud. And that was Gus Johnson on the call for Fox Sports 1 as KJ Hill brought in a spectacular catch for a touchdown that put the Buckeyes ahead for good, 17-14. And some things to take note of with Ohio State's remaining schedule is that it's no cakewalk for the Buckeyes the rest of the way. This week, they're at a Purdue team that has gotten hot as of late. Then several weeks from now, they play a very difficult portion of the schedule, which includes games at Michigan State, at Maryland, and a home game against Michigan consecutively to close out the regular season. It's already been well proven that the Buckeyes have some troubles defensively. You add into the mix that Nick Bosa announced this week that he's not going to play the remainder of the season, even if he gets healthy. And I believe that this Ohio State team will certainly be challenged multiple times throughout the regular season. In fact, right now, I'm thinking they probably lose a game somewhere. Now I've got for you what I believe to be the second most impactful play of week seven as we work our way to the college football playoff in Notre Dame's late victory over Pittsburgh. 5.50 to go. Field goal gives the Irish the lead. Book wants it up. Going end zone. And it is caught. Boykin. Touchdown Notre Dame. 
And that was Mike Tirico on the call for NBC as Notre Dame came away with a 19-14 win over Pittsburgh with the final score coming on a 35-yard touchdown pass from Ian Book to Miles Boykin. If you listened to the podcast last week, you remember that I called for Notre Dame to make it to the college football playoff with what I thought was a relatively easy remaining schedule. I certainly did not imagine that the Fighting Irish would be tested this much by the Panthers, and there certainly could be another struggle along the way somewhere, but Notre Dame survived another week. They advance on. They're 7-0, and with five games remaining at Navy, at Northwestern, home games against Florida State and Syracuse before closing out at Southern Cal, I think this Notre Dame team still certainly has what it takes to be able to make it undefeated and in their way to the college football playoff. And finally, at number one for the best plays that impacted the college football playoff in week seven, I've got LSU's dominating performance over Georgia to win 36-16 in Death Valley. And now he's going to keep it himself. Joe Burrow on the run. A stiff arm. And Burrow trying to ice it himself. And it's set. He's going to walk in the corner. Touchdown, LSU. And that was Brad Nessler on the call for CBS as the Tigers of LSU came away with the dominating win over the Bulldogs. This one was big on a couple of fronts for the college football playoff. As first, I think it is devastating for Georgia. I know there's still plenty of time to go. I know just about every team that makes the college football playoff has a loss. I know there have been teams that have made the playoff with some ugly losses, but I just don't think this Georgia team is the same as it was last year. They seem to be missing something defensively, and the offense just never seemed to find any rhythm against this tough LSU defense. Secondly, looking at LSU, I just haven't given this team an awful lot of credit so far on the podcast this year. But the more and more I seem to doubt LSU as the year went on, this team has shown up played better and better football, and they keep on winning games. They've got a suffocating defense, and Joe Burrow and company continue to improve that offense slowly but surely. And if you're looking at a defense within the SEC that can legitimately slow down Alabama's offense, I think you've got to look at LSU. Mix that with the fact that Alabama's defense hasn't been anything special this season, And if LSU's offense can just continue to improve over these next couple of weeks, maybe, just maybe, LSU can actually give Alabama a run for their money on November 3rd. Now, as I close out the first half of the show, I want to remind you, stay with me because I've got Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, joining me on the second segment of the show to discuss NC State's trip to Death Valley to play Clemson this week in a top 20 matchup in week eight. I am your host, Thomas Black, and you're listening to The Blackout. Welcome back to another segment of The Blackout. Thomas Black here with you as we enter into week eight of the college football season. And now joining me from Clemson, South Carolina, it is Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers. Don, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Well, Thomas, appreciate you having me back on. Doing well. Tigers sit here at 6-0, and so 
Uh, ranked as high as number three in the country, so not not a bad time to be a Clemson Tiger right now. Definitely not a bad time to be a Clemson Tiger, and you're looking at a game coming up this weekend, one of the biggest ones in the country with the number 16 Wolfpack of NC State coming to town. Uh, this game is one that offers two undefeated teams at this point in the season. Uh, to me, I think this one's very intriguing, though, to look at it from a number of different perspectives. Uh, one thing I want to get from you early in this interview is looking back, you know, I haven't spoken with you in a few weeks what is this Clemson team looking like? What is the the story coming from this team since the transfer of Kelly Bryant, and how has Trevor Lawrence stepped into the starting role? What is the vibe coming from this team at this point? Well, I think that this team just continues to kind of build week to week. To be perfectly honest with you, so they they uh, have certainly faced their their fair share of a little bit of drama uh, that has happened. It you know it started obviously with Kelly when he announced after the fourth game that um, uh, that he was going to seek a transfer. Uh, and that was, and I don't think that anybody held that against him within the program. They, uh, and I think that Coach Sweeney was right up front with him uh, going into the into that fifth game, saying, "Hey, you know, we're going to name uh, we're going to name Trevor as a starter. He was still going to play. Kelly was was still going to play. They were still going to use that two quarterback system, but um, Kelly decided that you know he for his sake that he wanted to to move along uh, to something else. And then, unfortunately, the week after that, we had the the passing of C.J. Fuller, the former player." Uh, here at Clemson, which kind of devastated all of us, uh, and they made it through, made it through that, and uh, won in just a, in a huge way at Wake Forest. After that, and then the open week, and you know here we sit at at six and zero, and headed off to play a five and zero NC State team, and this will be the this will be the last battle of undefeateds in the Power Five. Uh, just the way the schedule works out, this is it. Yeah. There, there won't be any more undefeateds inside the Power Five. So. Uh, I think that that adds, adds even a little bit more of intrigue to this weekend's game. You mentioned the blowout win over Wake Forest. Uh, going back to that one, one guy I want to highlight is Travis Etienne and just the performance that he's had this year. Uh, going back over the last couple of games, he's run for 370 yards on 37 carries. You can go back up over the last four games, and he's averaging over 10 yards a carry. Just what has he meant to this team, especially in these last couple of games, as Trevor Lawrence has stepped into the starting quarterback role? Well, and Trevor even mentioned it today in uh, in uh, meetings with the media that you know it's helped lift a little bit of a burden off of him because you know it's pretty easy to take a snap, turn around, and hand it off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and you know we got a club that that's what running for what two eighty. Uh, I think a game they're fourth highest in uh, in FBS right now. The other three teams ahead of them are all option teams, so you would you know expect an option team to be able to run the football pretty well. And then there's then there's Clemson sitting there at, at number four. Uh, so uh, I think that you know ETN, but it hasn't just been ETN. I think it's been you know Feaster, uh, him coming on, although he suffered the uh, the shoulder injury. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he bounced back uh, here this week. They're going to be pretty cautious with him. Adam Choice certainly had him had a huge game at, at Wake Forest, and then the young freshman uh, Lynn J. Dixon also you know made a made a big splash. And uh, but but Coach Sweeney, I go back to what Coach Sweeney said back in August, and again nobody wanted to listen to. Uh, to what William Christopher Sweeney had to say, but he, he in August camp said that he thought this was going to be the best group of running backs that he had had in his tenure at, at Clemson. That's saying a lot because Thomas, I know you're very familiar with with the running back situation here over Coach Sweeney's tenure period. Uh, but uh, you know he he came out and said that, and lo and behold, uh, these guys are 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 making him uh, you know uh, once again a profit. Yeah, I think he's absolutely right in that one. And when you're talking about a, a feature back like ETN, to me, Don, I, I think he deserves to be mentioned a lot more in the Heisman Trophy discussion right now. Are you on the same boat with that? 
Nah, I don't worry about any of that stuff, Tom. I mean, I, I really just, I just don't. I mean, that's 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 all. I think just for for talk and popularity and all that kind of. It's like it's kind of like talking about, well, you know, oh my gosh, here's here's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame all sitting in the top four right now. Oh, they're you know, well, there's your playoffs right there. No, it's not. I mean, that's, that's the way it is in week six. But you know, with the chances of those four making it to the end and being actually the four in the, in the playoffs are. are fairly remote uh, the fact that oh my gosh there's what eight undefeated teams or however many under you know but but the fact you know oh my gosh what's going to happen if we come to the end and there's eight no that's not going to happen there may be one undefeated team sure uh, by the by the time that we get that we get to the end so i think that people get way too caught up looking ahead that you just just be satisfied with the here and now and, and let's let it play out let's see how it goes week to week now let's flip it and look at this to this nc state team to me uh, I looked at this team, and you know I remember coming off last season. This team was known for having a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball, but guys are gone like Naheem Hines, Jalen Samuels, but they've certainly still had an offensive bunch with Ryan Finley at quarterback. They're passing for an awful lot of yards. What have you seen from this NC State offense through their first five games of the season? Well, you know, I don't think it's surprising that they've turned to the air uh, a little bit more. They they lost that game obviously because of Hurricane Florence to, to West Virginia, and that certainly would have been interesting to see. It was going to be played in Raleigh, uh, but they they lost that game there. So, um, but you know, it's not surprising to see them doing what they're doing. You know, a lot of people thought that that NC State had the best wide receiver crew um, in the ACC prior to the season, and it you know so far if they've kind of proving themselves out uh, going that way. So uh, they're a team that can certainly put up points. They're a team that plays with a lot of moxie, and they uh, they play with a lot of swag, and they'll bring all of that uh, into Death Valley here on Saturday. Now we talked about a little bit ago the running game for Clemson. They are going to be going up against one of the better rush defenses in the country. NC State's done a phenomenal job there. How do you see Clemson attacking that, and uh, how do you, big of an impact do you think that has on a guy like Trevor Lawrence who's maybe going to have to pick up a little bit of the slack in the passing game? Well, I, I think right now it's kind of, you know, pick your poison right now with, with Clemson. And, and I think that the teams have been coming in playing a little bit of that two deep safety look and trying to take away uh, the, the throwing game uh, from Clemson. And, and what it's done is help open up uh, the run game for him, to be perfectly honest with you. Clemson's been, been really, really good at using, uh, at using the passing game to open up the running game and also vice versa. Uh, from, from so it'll be interesting to see how exactly NC State goes about trying to trying to play this. Uh, whether they they go, I don't think that they'll go man to man out there on on Clemson's wideout. And if they do, then Clemson will try to exploit that. Uh, and certainly with Trevor Lawrence, they have become a a better team throwing the ball down the field. I mean, uh, all you gotta do is just take a look at the number of explosive plays that have happened for uh, for Clemson so far. This year, and it's just been—I mean, it's just been unreal. Obviously, coming off of a game at at uh, Wake Forest, where it was just seemed to be explosive play after explosive play after explosive play. But uh, Clemson, I think, has 39 plays this year of of 20 yards or more, and that's been one of the ways that they have been going about winning football games. Anybody following this Clemson team over the last couple of seasons knows that NC State has been one of the biggest tests for the Tigers in the last couple of years. They had a they were a field goal away from winning a game in regulation a couple of years ago. Uh, they had a tough game at Raleigh, uh, you know, last season. Uh, how do you think this team compares to those last couple of teams that have given Clemson fits uh, throughout the regular season? Well, I, I think they're a very similar, you know, team of what they what they want. They 
believe me, they want to they want to come in here and win this thing in the worst way. I mean, that's absolutely the worst way. Uh, Dave Dorn would like to, to come in here and, and do this, and um, you know, and I think that people are also they're kind of underplaying what this means in the Atlantic Division of, of the Atlantic Coast Conference. The winner of this game is going to have absolutely firm control of of their destiny now to try to get to Charlotte and play in an ACC championship game. And you know, um, Clemson obviously had these expectations coming into the year. I know that anybody really figured that NC State was going to be here at this point, but now all of a sudden they know that they were the win here Saturday, uh, that, that they have control of, of the Atlantic Division of uh, the ACC. And you take a look at, at their schedule; uh, they got to travel up to Syracuse, and then they get a a homecoming date against Florida State. Then uh, they will play at Wake Forest, and then Louisville and North Carolina. So you start taking a look at that. Not necessarily the uh, the hardest route for them to, to get to Charlotte after that. So uh, I think that, that's that's the thing that's probably the mitigating factor and the driving factor right now for for NC State. They want to be the one uh, to kind of knock Clemson off of this mountain that they've been on top of here in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah, you mentioned NC State's remaining schedule, and I think you have to draw a lot of comparisons to what Clemson has left over in their schedule after this game. Uh, you know, there's a game at Florida State. They've certainly picked it up and been playing a little bit better as of late, but they've struggled throughout the early part of the season. A game at Boston College. Uh, can you definitively say if this is the toughest game remaining for Clemson on their schedule? Uh, I don't know that we know that. I mean, and, I mean, and that's not trying to dodge that question. I mean, I, I just don't know that we know that. Sure. I mean, who would have thought last year that Syracuse would have been the most difficult game on the schedule? Or the year before that, that Pitt would have been the most difficult game on the schedule. You lost those games, so you have to save those are the most difficult games <laughs> uh, on, the, on the schedule. Um, so, I, it, you know, again, that's, that's why you, you can't get caught looking ahead. You can't get caught looking back. You just got to make sure that you bring – your A game each and every week uh, to uh, to the playing surface, and that is what Coach Sweeney and his staff have just been marvelous at doing uh, here. Not not just the last couple of years, but really the last seven years in putting together this this streak of winning, you know, at least ten games in a season. It certainly has been a fun run for the Clemson Tigers. Don, I really appreciate your time joining the show. We're looking forward to this matchup of top 20 teams on Saturday, and we'll look forward to hearing more from you here on the Blackout later in the season if you get the chance to join us again. All right, Tom, it's always good to, to be with you. All right, I appreciate it, Don. Have a good week and enjoy the game. Thank you, sir. He is Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers. A big thanks to Don and for taking some time out of his day to join me again here on the Blackout to preview one of the biggest games from one of the best teams in all of college football. I know I mentioned earlier in the show that I would get you some picks, but I'm just out of time for this week. You can be sure to follow me on Twitter, at TB on the Blackout, and I'll get you picks against the spread as well as other notes of some of the biggest games heading into week eight of the college football season as we work our way toward the college football playoff. Thank you once again for listening to The Blackout, and if you could take a few moments to like the show on Facebook, at The Blackout Podcast, as well as subscribe to the show on iTunes, I'd greatly appreciate it. When you do things like that, that's how The Blackout will grow. Don't forget to be watching out for the Week 9 podcast coming out next week as we'll be looking towards some big games in college football. And next week, I welcome Trent Smallwood of UGASports.com to the show to watch out for the Georgia-Florida game coming up next week. For now, that's all I have for you. This is Thomas Black, and you've been listening to The Blackout. (laughs) 